Welcome, and thank you for tuning into the Graceland Church Podcast. Our mission is to follow Jesus and love our neighbor for the good of the city. It's so good to have you guys here. Um, thanks for braving the ice and the snow. I hope everyone's been really safe. Uh, did our online end up working or not? It didn't. Okay, so sadly, we, we let the rest of the church know, you know, they could just stay home and watch online. And then this morning, of course, happened to be one of the only times where our internet completely cut out. So we are not streaming online. You guys don't care because you're here. But I'm not going to talk to the camera at all as if we're talking to uh, the church at home as well. We are recording it and we'll post it later. We sent out via our social media to all the ones that we're looking for it at home. But I'm glad you guys are here. I'm glad we've been able to gather. Big thanks to our team. Uh, can we just give them a hand for trying to make the, the parking lot safe, the driveway safe, and our, our worship team. We have multiple team members and people that were scheduled to serve today that couldn't make it. Some of our team members like had a, a hail of ice in their neighborhood that was just completely insurmountable, so they had to stay home. So our, our worship team made last-minute adjustments, our kids' ministry. So just thank you uh, to everyone for your flexibility, uh, your patience, your heart, just to be a part of the church family. I know uh, my family and I are glad to be out of the house. Anybody with me? I mean, we were like six, seven days, uh, like basically trapped uh, in our home. And we got out a little bit, but uh, you've heard of this thing called cabin fever. Uh, Papa Don, who's one of our board members, we call him Papa Don around here. He said he almost stopped by our house and surprised us with a visit. I said, you would have walked in and walked right back out, my friend. It is, it is madness in there when you're locked in your house for seven days like that. I'm partially serious. I'm partially kidding. We, we had a lot of fun, too. Uh, we played some games. We watched movies. We wrote some fun songs. And uh, we had a lot of iPad time. Any parents with me? Thank the Lord for... Uh, iPads. As I was preparing uh, the message, uh, the next part of the Proverbs series, I kind of felt drawn in a different direction. So we are going to look at Proverbs, specifically that verse right there, uh, chapter 23, verse 18. But we're going to lean a little bit more into uh, Psalm 71 as well. And next week, I'll jump back in to Proverbs 1, kind of like going through in order. Um, I remember when I was seven years old, it was 1989. I lived in the Bay Area of California. Where's my Bay, Bay Area people at? I know we got multiple California invasion around here. Um, most places in the country, if you say the Bay Area, you don't get woos. How about those Niners? How about those Niners? That was a good game. I'm just saying. I mean, that was fun. Um, I, if you remember during the World Series in 1989, there was a little thing called one of the worst earthquakes that we've had in America. And I was seven years old. We were right in the heart of it. I'll never forget I was at my friend's house, who was also probably seven or eight years old. Kids, can you imagine if you were hanging out at your friend's house, and all of a sudden, the ground starts shaking so loudly and so strongly, it took a moment for us to realize what was going on, and then we all screamed earthquake. I decided in just a split moment to try to run home. So we were in my neighborhood, and I was going to get back to my family. I had a little brother and a sister out playing somewhere in the neighborhood. We were on a naval air station. My dad was a Navy chaplain at the time. So we're kind of like close quarters in all these little houses. And I will never forget this true story. I'm running as fast as I can to get home in the middle of the 89 quake. And every time I would go to take another step, the ground would move and I would fall. I mean, literally I'm running. If it happened to me now, I would have killed myself. But as a little kid, I just got back up and ran all the way home. I got towards my house. I saw all the carports shaking. Thankfully our house uh, didn't get destroyed. No one in my family got hurt. But the thing that I'll never forget is the ground 
falling away from under my feet, something that I thought could never be moved, getting moved. And, and the Psalms uses a, a, this beautiful song that King David wrote. He says, even when the earth falls away from under my feet, God is my refuge and my strength. And even, even in times of life, when it feels like everything we're standing on goes away, scripture is so clear, we are called to live with hope, even then. And so that proverb that Jessica just did the scripture picture with, look at that again, it's on screen. There is surely a future hope for you and your hope will not be cut off. I'll just say it this way. It is not part of a heart of wisdom to live without hope. Part of a heart of wisdom is learning the discipline of getting your hopes up. And I don't just mean in a superficial, la-di-da, sing a song kind of way. I talk about, I'm talking about like the, the depths of your soul kind of hope, right? Hope that you still have when the ground moves from under your feet. Probably some of you can look back on seasons of your life where it felt like the ground moved from under your feet. You could be in a moment like that right now. And I wanna challenge you and hopefully encourage you with God's word to learn the discipline of getting your hopes up. You guys know this, but we live in a world where some would say there actually is no hope. I remember meeting uh, an older woman when we were our first year in Los Angeles, we were planting a church and her name was Hazel. She actually ended up being the first person to put their faith in Jesus in the whole ministry we did out there. She was in her, I think, mid to late 70s when we met her. She was an actor, actor still pursuing jobs, and she had all these little roles. She had like a 50-year career in Hollywood and didn't make a ton of money, but enough to live. She went through some horrific things we would find out later. And when we first met her, she wouldn't even mind me saying this, I don't think. Uh, she was living with no hope. We, when we told her as, as our neighbor before she came to our church and all that, we told her that um, we were having another child. Do you remember which child it was? Yes, it would have been Kenzie, I guess, our second daughter. And she looked at us with like anger in her eyes and said, how could you bring a baby into this world? You've already got one. Why would you have any reason to bring another child into this cruel evil world. That was her perspective. And I'll just never forget, it was the first time I came across that sense of hopelessness. It was the first time I met someone that was like, you shouldn't even have a kid. And then, and then actually, since we proceeded to have kids, we ran into this in our time in Southern California multiple times. When we announced we were having a third kid, we had multiple people in our own church uh, give us pushback on having more children. It was so interesting. And it was around these ideas of hope and what's happening in the world. And I gotta be honest, I am not, especially in this stage of my life, I'm not just naturally super hopeful. Uh, anybody willing to admit that with me? I don't just wake up and like, I'm naturally, today's awesome. Like I, I was more like that as a kid. Um, life beats that out of you a little bit. I think reality beats that out of you a little bit. So it is actually a discipline for me to get my hopes up in the Lord. Anybody relate to that? Can we, and I think it's important to even kind of confess that sometimes together. I'm not saying I wanna stay there. I'd love to keep growing in the Lord and in the likeness of Christ to the, to the degree that I do wake up a little bit more in the supernatural hope that God has called me to live in. But I say it just to kind of communicate that we're all in the same boat, set the stage. We know there are things that want to steal our hope, but I wanna challenge you today to get your hopes 
up. And we're going to look through Psalm 71. Here's the simple layout. It's four principles and four declarations to help you get your hopes up out of Psalm 71. Let's read starting in verse 1. In you, Lord, I've taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, rescue me and deliver me. Turn your ear to me and save me. Be my rock of refuge to which I can always go. Give the command to save me for you are my rock and my fortress. He's in a desperate spot. Deliver me, my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of those who are evil and cruel. And then here in verse five, he he starts to do something. He starts to remember and recall. He says, for you have been my hope, sovereign Lord, my confidence since my youth. And then he goes back even further. From birth, I have relied on you. You brought me forth from my mother's womb. I will ever praise you. So in this potentially hopeless moment, King David is going up into that secret room to pray, like what Jaron mentioned earlier about her mom. He's getting away to pray. He's pouring out his heart to God. Here's what's going on. And as he's there, he's starting to remind himself of this first principle. And here's what it is if you're a note taker. You have relied on the Lord more than you know, so continue to rely on him now. That's what King David is saying when he says, from birth, I've relied on you. My actual birth, my creation was supernatural. I couldn't do it in and of my own strength. I relied on you then, and I'm gonna continue to rely on you now. And I would just submit to you, no matter how much you think you're thinking about your past properly, you've relied on God even more than you think. Everything we have is from him. Every single breath, every single heartbeat, the the fact that your molecules stick together and form you is from him. The fact that you can even think is from him. Every single thing is from him. I think he's protected us all throughout our lives, even before we knew him and we're walking with him. His hand is upon us. He sees us. He's caring for us. I bet he's protected you from so many things. It would shock you to even hear about it. He's been with us. We've relied on him more than we know. So, In in times when we're challenged with hope, we can make this declaration. It says this, I have hope because I rely on the Lord. Or you could say it this way, I can get my hopes up because I rely on the Lord. I don't rely on myself. I don't rely on my plan. I don't rely on others. I don't rely on their plan. I rely singularly on the Lord. Andrew Murray says it in one of my favorite books, Waiting on God. He says it beautifully. He says, waiting on God is not only rendered necessary by our sin and helplessness, It is simply and truly our restoration to our original destiny and our highest nobility, to our true place of glory as creatures blessedly dependent on the all-glorious God. So think of it this way. You were blessedly dependent on the Lord for your creation, and you're meant to be blessedly dependent on him for your continued hope. This has been a shift in my life. Just in the last handful of years, like God has gotten bigger to me and hope has gotten more unshakable. The more we gaze upon him, the more we lean into what he alone has done, the more we realize, oh, actually none of this has to do with me. My reliance is in no way upon myself. The weight that I place on the meaning of life is not me, it is on the Lord. And all of a sudden when you do that, you can get your hopes up. Even if, you're, even if you've made mistakes, you can get your hopes up. Who do you rely on? The Lord. Reading in verse seven. I've become a sign to many, David says. You are my strong refuge. 
My mouth is filled with your praise, declaring your splendor all day long. Do not cast me away when I am old. So now he starts thinking about his older years. He says, do not forsake me when my strength is gone. For my enemies speak against me. Those who wait to kill me conspire together. They say God has forsaken him. Pursue him and seize him for no one will rescue him. Do not be far from me, my God. Come quickly, God, to help me. May my accusers, accusers perish in shame. May those who want to harm me be covered with scorn and disgrace. As for me, I will always have hope. I will praise you more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteous deeds, of your saving acts all day long. Can you see him begin to rise as he's writing this? Though I not know how to relate them all, I will come and proclaim your mighty acts, sovereign Lord. I will proclaim your righteous deeds, yours alone. And then he, he goes back to his youth. Since my youth God, you have taught me, and to this day, all the way till now, I declare your marvelous deeds. And then looking forward, even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. I have noticed among the the seasoned saints in our church family and the ones that I've known throughout my life, the ones who speak of decades of walking with Jesus. There's something they always end up saying. It's like when all other words fail, the one thing you can say is he has been faithful. He's been faithful. It just somehow says it all. And, and the, you know, the younger Christians are fired up and they should be and they're, and they're chasing after God and we should continue to chase after God. The saints that have lived their whole life in the Lord, their, their, their passion is hotter than ever, but they actually look back with this sense of beautiful rest and an increased reliance on the Lord. And they're able to just say, wow, the Lord has been faithful. Wow, everything the Lord has done has led to this. It's led to my good. It's led to his glory. And the second principle is this. God is more faithful than you know. So choose to trust his faithfulness now. That's what getting your hopes up means. It says, man, even if everything in my life isn't quite working out, I can still get my hopes up because I will intentionally choose to trust the faithfulness of God. That's what he's saying here. Since my youth, You've taught me when I'm old and gray. Still be with me, Lord. David Wilkerson says it this way. Our faith is not meant to get us out of a hard place or change our painful condition. Rather, it's meant to reveal God's faithfulness to us in the midst of our dire situation. And of course, that's not to say that God's not gonna also change our situation. He's He's gonna break in with power. He's gonna do what only he can do, but he doesn't always do it right away. He doesn't always do it in the way we want him to, but what he does always do is give us faith to walk with him in reality and cast all of our trust and all of our weight upon him. So the declaration is this, I can get my hopes up because God is ever faithful. Don't let anyone convince you out of getting your hopes up. Don't you know how the world almost scoffs at you for having your hopes up? Even Christians sometimes will be like, hey, calm down. Just settle down. I mean, yeah, People will get upset at you. Sometimes people will be jealous of you for getting your hopes up. If you're walking in, the, in, in, in faith and in the peace of God, especially if your life isn't fully matching it, others will look at you and say, hey, why do they get to walk with such peace and hope when things aren't going so well in their life? And they're just missing the beauty of what it is to know and serve the Lord. So my point is don't let anyone convince you out of it. Don't convince yourself out of it. God calls you to get your hopes up. 
He calls you to it. This is part of the walk. I remember being with one of my uh, board members at the previous church I served at. He had walked with me through all these miracles in church planting, times when our bank account was empty. I remember once our bank account for the church, we tried to keep 30,000 in there when we were starting. It went down to like less than $100. I'm like, man, I'm obviously not doing this right. God, please help me. And, and we were calling out on God. All of a sudden I'm sitting in a coffee shop and, and I get a Facebook message uh, from, from someone I don't even remember from my Bible college. And she has this long prophetic word for me. I didn't even know who it was, but it was reading my mail. And one of the things it says is, hey, hey, Nathan, um, don't stop expanding because you think you're out of money. Continue to, continue to lean in. Because I was about to like, uh, uh, kind of like fire a couple people that I had just hired part-time. I was thinking, we have to stop this. We have to stop that. Uh, I'm not getting this right. I'm like a young church planner. But this, this, this word kind of affirmed the sense that I felt about getting my hopes up more and stirring my faith. And, and what it said in the message is, God's gonna start to provide for you more from within your church. Because at that point, we had raised a lot of money. We had traveled a lot to raise funds. And, and so... I felt like it was God speaking. The next day, one of our brand new uh, church members would come to become, he would become one of my best friends, walks up to me uh, with a check for $30,000. And we had never experienced anything like that in our church. I walked into the bank like a boss, right? And I was like, all right, 30,000. It was the exact amount we would try to keep. And then stories like that, many more, many more over and over. And then years later, I was sitting with this board member who had been with so many just miracles like that. And we were in a moment of struggle again. Because how many of you know, the Christian life is, according to Nikki Gumbel, and I, and I affirm this, and I have experienced it this way, it's like blessing battle, blessing battle, Nikki Gumbel talks about. He says, you walk in blessing, then there's some kind of battle. You walk in blessing, there's battle. We were in a battle season again as a church, and I was kind of just pouring my heart out to this board member. He was just a young man, younger than me. And all of a sudden, he stopped me. He was like, Nathan, don't you remember the $30,000 check? Don't you remember this? Don't you remember that? Well, don't you remember the faithfulness of God over these last four or five years? What are you worried about? And he just rebuked me. He basically just like spiritually smacked me across the face in the best way. And I received it. And I was like, you're right. What am I doing? I'm wallowing in, in, in just not believing and trusting God after seeing him do all these things. Aren't we so like that though? Like as soon as another battle comes, we're so quick to be like, oh, my hopes are dashed again. And God's like, no, get your hopes up. He's been more faithful than you know. You can trust his faithfulness now. You can get your hopes up. Reading on verse 19, your righteousness, God, reaches to the heavens. At this point, King David is just worshiping. You who have done great things, who is like you, God? And then he comes back and he acknowledges this. Though you have made me see troubles, many and bitter. I love this line. You will restore my life again. How awesome is that line? You will restore my life again. Perhaps that's all you need to hear this morning. You might just be feeling like your life has lost this sense of restoration and you need to get your hopes up by declaring and holding to the promise, God, you will restore my life again. He will bring you back to your first love. He will bring you back to a place of vision and passion. The psalmist then says, from the depths of the earth, you will again bring me up. This is what God does. You will increase my honor and comfort me once more. I will praise you with the heart for your faithfulness, my God. I will sing praise to you with the lyre, holy one of Israel. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praise to you. I, whom you have delivered, my tongue will tell of your righteous acts all day long. To those who wanted to harm me, for those who wanted to harm me have been put to shame and confusion. 
He models something here that's so powerful. In verse 23, he says, my lips will shout. There's a verb there. He talks about singing the praise of God. He talks about declaring to the next generation. And here's the idea, number three, fill your mind and your mouth with the marvelous deeds of the Lord. This is a command. It says it really clearly in Philippians 4, 8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, what does it say? Think about that. What is this? A command from God. This is, so this is now also a New Testament command that's basically saying, get your hopes up. Get your thinking right. This is part of living with wisdom. Don't just believe every thought that comes into your mind. If you're getting just crushed in your own mental world, do something about it. Get your hopes up. I love movies. I love uh, all the directors we've got, come to know from our time in, in Hollywood. And, and it's been said, we're basically playing a movie or multiple movies at all times in the theater of our mind. And I would just ask you, what movie are you playing? <laughs> what movie are you watching? It's up to you what movie you're watching. And so, so part of getting our hopes up practically is fill your mind with the marvelous deeds of the Lord and then fill your mouth with it, actually speak it out. I love this thing called string theory. Now, I'm not a physicist. I'm not pretending. If there's any real uh, physicists here, forgive me in advance. But have any of you guys heard of string theory? Okay, I'm not like preaching this. Let me just pause for a second. I'm not trying to preach string theory, but I love thinking about string theory in the context of the gospel and God's word. String theory is a, a, a theory that says all of matter in the smallest, deepest sense, it's even smaller than atoms, are, is made up of strings that form what they are going to be based on their vibration. So basically my hand is holding together as my hand right now because at the deepest level, smaller than the molecules, again, smaller than the atoms, are strings that are vibrating in the exact pitch, if you will, to form my hand. It's the only thing that makes it different from this podium. It's the only thing that makes it different from this stage. It's the only thing that makes my shirt an entirely different material at, the, at its core are these strings that are what they are based on vibrations. The reason I love that theory as a Christian is because God spoke which is vibration, all things into existence. And I love the, and again, I'm not preaching this, but I love thinking about it. And maybe it's true, we'll find out when we get to heaven. But, but it, it is one of those theories, which many of them do. A lot of physicists end up becoming uh, believers because they just see the depths of the miracle of creation and they can't deny a higher power anymore. I, I can't wait to ask God about string theory. Maybe when we get there, we're just gonna understand it. But think of the, the beauty of that. God speaks and the oceans arise. And they, it, the water is the water because the strings function according to that vibration. And the reason I share it in the context with filling your mind and your mouth with the marvelous deeds of the Lord is because Proverbs talks about how power of life and death is in the tongue. When you speak, you affect the vibrations. And I'm not just talking about vibe, like kind of like um, pseudo spirituality. Uh, I'm talking about what the Bible actually says, which is speaking by faith, which is actually changing the environment by what you choose to say. That's why music and, and using instruments like this and banging a drum and, and holding down some notes is so powerful when it's, when it's mixed with a posture of faith because these sounds, they go out and they change the environment. So when you get your hopes up, when you fill your mind and your mouth 
with his truth, with his word, it changes how your house feels. It changes how your work feels. It changes the vibe of your family, the culture of your family. I've noticed in our own family just recently, um, I alluded to it already, but Jess and I love music. We've done songwriting for years. We were worship pastors for a long time. And uh, recently, we've been writing songs with our kids, worship songs. And a lot of them, they initiated, and now we're just kind of doing it. And some of them are like really good, and I've been amazed to see this. But I started noticing a difference in each of us and in the culture around our home just by filling it with that much more of the praises of God. There's just something about it. There just is. And we're already a family that believes in the Lord and, and, and we love music that draws us to the Lord. We, we try to speak the truth of God, but there is, this, there is this reality that sometimes you gotta let your life catch up to your words. So if you just feel like you're totally not there, just speak the truth. Speak it out, like confuse your body, confuse the environment and say, if you, if you have a part of your life that just feels like it's destitute and hopeless, go into it and declare the marvelous deeds of the Lord. And just say right here, I'm gonna say, I serve a faithful God. He's with me still. My, my hopes are up in him. I have failed here so many times. I have tried I, this or that, but my hope is, get, I wanna let my hope get up in him. And what you'll notice when you start actually living with hope again, it touches every area of your life. You treat people different. You respond to people different. That's why it's, it's imperative that we get our hopes up. And the declaration about this third principle is this. I have hope because of the marvelous deeds of the Lord. Declare it. I can get my hopes up because of the marvelous deeds of the Lord. We're gonna close with this fourth principle and declaration that is an essential part of living with hope that we can sometimes miss. We're gonna go back to verse 15 for this one. My mouth will, what does it say here? Tell, you can see it on screen or you can go in your Bible again, verse 15, my mouth will tell. So if your mouth is gonna tell it, it means you're saying it to someone else. You're no longer just declaring it in your room, you're saying it to someone. My mouth will tell of your righteous deeds, your saving acts all day long. And then he says, though I know not how to relate them all. He's saying, I'm trying to relate this to someone. Then verse 16, I will come and proclaim so again, you are proclaiming now to someone the mighty acts of the sovereign Lord. I will proclaim your righteous deeds. Since my youth, God, you've taught me, and to this day I declare you are declaring them to someone. Verse 18 again, when I'm old and gray, do not forsake me till I declare your power to who? The next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. I think part of living in the posture of having your hopes up is remembering, number four, we offer hope to the world by declaring the power of God. In other words, this hope is meant to be shared. The declaration is this, I have hope and I will share hope. Or you could say it this way, I will get my hopes up and I will share it. There's something about the sharing of hope that keeps you in a posture of hope. There should be more amens. It's this idea that hope is not meant to well up in us and then be shoved down in us. Hope is meant to well up in us and be shared with our coworker and be shared with our person that maybe even seems like an enemy and be shared with the person that is maybe on the other side of the aisle than you and be shared with the person that maybe if kids, if your sibling frustrates you, maybe you have to share hope with your sibling. <laughs> Who's excited about sharing hope with your sibling today? We need that. This is, the perf this is a perfect message for these kids after a week of cabin fever. 
hope for these kids. Look what, look what Romans 1.16 says about the power of God. And we'll bring it all home here and we'll close and just spend some time in prayer. The Apostle Paul says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God. This is the power we declare that brings salvation to everyone who believes. So maybe you need his power today. I encourage you, receive the gospel. Don't be ashamed of it. Maybe you need a big dose of hope. Maybe you need to cling to the promise of that verse in Proverbs. There is surely, can you just close your eyes with me as the worship team's up? team comes up? Receive this as I speak it over you. There is surely a future hope for you and you will not be cut off. And that was in the book of Proverbs. That was even before the complete fulfillment of this in Christ. The fulfillment of this is in the gospel of Jesus. There is a future hope for us in Christ. He's made a way for us through his blood shed and that way cannot be taken from us. It is by faith through grace and our future is secure. The Bible says he gives us the Holy Spirit as a a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance for the life to come and we will not be cut off. You will not be cut off. Can we stand together across the room as we pray? If you wanna just pray with me to to receive a fresh dose of hope and lift your hearts up to the Lord. If you want to lift your hands up, we're gonna pray. Lord, you're the faithful one. Let's just tell him, let's recall his faithfulness. You're the faithful one. You're the one who's been with me since, since I was in my mother's womb. You knew me. You knew me before I was in my mother's womb. You are the one who created me. You're the one who breathed the breath of life into my lungs. You're the one who's been with me before I even knew you. When I was even running from you, you were pursuing me. You've been more faithful than we know, and we've relied on you more than we know. So God, forgive us for so often uh, coming into moments of our lives right now and, and losing our sense of hope. Forgive me for that, Lord. I will get my hopes up in you, Lord. We will get our hopes up as a church in you, Lord. We will cling to the promise that never fades. We will live in the love that is everlasting. And I pray your blessing over every person here. I pray whatever, whatever song that they've been kind of receiving over their life or singing over their life that's not been hope, I pray it'll be cast down. There's no songs of despair to be sung over any person here. There's no songs of fear There's no songs of crippling anxiety to be sung over any person here. There's just the song of hope. There's just the song of life. And I pray, God, that that we'll fill our minds and our mouths with your marvelous deeds, God. And as we gather as a church, part of the power is we declare the praises of God together because you are the Holy One. And it's exactly why all the saints of old, all we can do all day, every day is declare, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty faithful, true, merciful, just. God, thank you that you will wipe every tear away. Thank you that death will be no more. Pain will be no more. The old order of things will be completely passed away. And you, our King, our God, you make all things new. We thank you for it. We will walk in your hope, Lord. We will walk in your hope, Lord. 
we will end this journey and finish this race in a posture of hope. We will point to you, God. Lord, would you help us please share your message with the world around us? Will you help us as a church and as a people offer this hope to the world? Will you help us? Will you guide us? Will you lead us? None of us here, Lord, want to like play church until the return of Christ. We want to engage in the mission you've called us to. We want to share what you have shared with us. We pray for our family members. We pray for our friends. We pray for every acquaintance that we are connected to that doesn't know you. Kids, parents, siblings. Let's just pray, church. We pray, would you call prodigals home into the family of God? Lord, we pray for those unreached parts of our world. Would you continue to raise up workers into your harvest field to go and to declare the hope that we have in the name of Jesus. Lord, would you bring a sweeping revival to our world, God? Would you bring a sweeping spiritual awakening to our world? Just a fresh move, God. We're desperate for what only you can do, Lord. And may it start with us. And we just, we just give a yes to you, God. We say, use us, Lord. Use us to declare, to declare your hope to the world around us. Use Graceland Church. Use the land of grace. Use our giftings, our resources, everything we have, Lord. Your kingdom come, your will be done. I just sense that just Jesus weeps over Jerusalem. You remember that? God, help us effectively, accurately reflect your message. Come unto me, all who are weary all who are burdened. Today's the last day of our 21 days of prayer and fasting. But I encourage you to stay in a posture of just seeking pressing into the Lord. Lord, we want to be swept up in the river of God. Lord, break us free of the things that want to kind of pacify us to, to just miss what you're doing in the world and even in our own backyard. Break us free. Bring us back fully surrendered into the river of God. We want to be a part of what you're doing in the heart break for what your heart breaks for. We've got kids right around us about to take their lives. We've got men and women 
at the end of their rope, drowning in addictions. We've got a country torn apart. People looking for security, hope, love in all the wrong places. So Lord, help us, help us be a city on a hill, God. Help us be the light of the world, God. Help us share your message of reconciliation, which you have committed to us, that the world might be reconciled to you. Help us with this, Lord. Amen. If you could just take your seat for one more moment. A couple things I want to let you know about. Anybody with me in just... uh, not wanting to play church until the return of Jesus or we die. I don't really want to do that. I'd rather like be in the adventure of God and reach the world. (laughs) I don't know all what that means, but I know that's what we're called to, you know, so pay attention to what the Lord is whispering to you. Um, We have our revival nights coming up in just a couple weeks. First time we're just trying to, we're trying to just respond to the Lord and make space to be in his presence, it's, it's right here on the top of your welcome card. We're gonna have the ministry of the word and the spirit. We're believing for healing, rest, breakthrough, revival. It's gonna be Sunday, February 4th, that evening, and then Monday the 5th, Tuesday the 6th. We're gonna invite the community. I'm gonna invite a couple other local pastors from around to come and pray, pray over us. It's gonna be awesome. Um, give yourselves a hand. We completed, well, almost the 21 days of prayer and fasting. Home stretch, powerful time. I know everyone did all kinds of just different things leaning into it every year. I hope we grow into maturity in that. Um, I want to let you know, sadly, because of the weather, we are going to cancel youth again tonight. We just feel like, uh, especially with our, it, it would be the first Sunday night with our new youth league team in place. So all of our youth are really going to want to be there, but it might get a little more dangerous with the dark and with the cold and the the youth doesn't live stream. So I don't know. We, don't, we want to be careful not to overly pressure people to come out. So we're, gonna, we're just going to punt to next week and, and jump into it. Um, you parents of youth, you'll be hearing from us on that. Um, we do have some Bible studies kicking off. You can see it on your welcome card right here. Sign-ups in the foyer. We have Mom Life registration open. We have our Mexico missions trip uh, coming up that uh, Sherry, actually, come say a couple words to us. She did this last week. Can we give Sherry a hand? Well, Pastor Nathan really set me up good today because talking about going out and sharing a message of hope, um, if this feels like it's on your heart, we are going back to Mexico um, June 1st through the 8th, and we are going to share a message of hope with the sweetest kindest, most precious Mayan people you'll ever meet. Um, We were there last year and they are so open and they are so eager to hear about the Lord. And many of them, if not all of them, have not heard this message before. And so what an honor it is for us to go and to share this message of hope with them. Um, Again, it's June 1st through the 8th. We would love for you to join us. If you have questions, we would love to answer those questions for you. There is a sign-up sheet out in the lobby. If you're just kind of interested or maybe interested or you're not even sure, uh, put your name on that piece of paper just so we can get an idea and we can um, talk through that with you and share about the trip with you. 
It's going to be amazing. It's going to be really amazing, and we're excited to go back. And if you have any questions, I'm around after the service, and feel free to ask. Um, ask me anything. Okay. Thank you very much. Our ushers are going to come to the front. Um, the giving options are on screen. You guys that call this church home, um, cash and check, you can use the giving envelopes in the back of the chairs. Much of our church give online, so you don't have to feel any pressure about the basket going on by because lots of people give online anyway. We want to encourage you, though, whenever you give, uh, to see it as an act of worship. And it's how we do what God has called us to do here. So, Lord, we give you thanks um, for every, every dollar, every penny that comes in. Thank you that you're our provider. I pray your blessing on each person. Bless this offering, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And as they pass that, can we just sing the... Um, that hymn one more time, turn your eyes. Let's, let's close out with this. Sing it a couple times, and then I'll pray a benediction over us. We'll be dismissed. After the basket passes, let's stand. Just with our voices. Come on, turn your eyes. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things There's one other hymn that I've been thinking about doing at the end of maybe all of our services. We'll see. We do it at all of our board meetings and in a lot of our behind-the-scenes meetings. It's called the doxology. Um, if you don't know it, no shame. We're going to teach it to you right now. But uh, Papa Don and Randy, are they both in the room? I see Don back there. Where's Randy? He's probably already working on salt out there. He's trying to keep everybody safe as they go out. Two of our board members, beautiful uh, singers. I'm going to ask them to lead out from the congregation. 
here in a minute, the doxology, and we're all going to sing too. Um, we like to just have board members do spontaneous solos. They both can. By the way, before we do it, guys, um, next week we're back to our two services, Lord willing. I think all this is going to be over, back to our normal schedule, and uh, we'll dive back fully into uh, Proverbs. For all of the new folks here, I know we have some, some newer families and people in the room. We're going to have a Newcomers Connect coming up soon, we'll announce to you, which is going to be after our second service, one of these coming Sundays. Learn more about our church, our heart, our vision, how you can connect, all that. Um, that's coming your way soon. Make sure you get on our uh, communications so you can connect using that QR code. We had a number of people we realized at the last minute that didn't get noticed that we weren't having a 9 a.m. that we're almost going to show up. Thankfully, my wife texted a few of them, uh, just like basically some of the brand new uh, families that have been coming to first service. So just make sure you connect. Um, you can get on, the, get in the loop those ways. Um, after we sing it, I'll pray the benediction. But here, here's the doxology. So let's sing it together. Lead us out, guys. Praise God from Blessings flow, praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above the heavenly host. Praise Father, Son. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Love you guys very much. Walk safely. Drive safely out there.